a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Keeper Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Keeper Tested. Here he is, Chris Keeper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the RockyMountainATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast presented by Fly Racing and FlyRacing.com. We're going to do something a little bit different this time. I've been telling you guys I want to do an off-road podcast. It doesn't officially start until January, but I thought, hell, why not kick this son of a bitch off with none other than the 2017 AMA... National Hare and Hound Champion and the 2017 Works Champion, Gary Beasley Sutherland. <laughs> Gary, thank you for doing this. Well, thank you for having me on, Chris Kiefer. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you guys know, me and Gary have been good buddies for too uh, long, too a long time, and uh, he's kind of like my younger brother that I try to dress up younger nice. Brother. Um, I just don't... I don't dress that way. Sorry. You don't dress very well at no. all. So no. anyway, a lot. it's funny to me because Gary has won several championships. And I guess I kind of want to preface all this before we start here. Is Gary has won a works championship in what year? Two, 2014. 2014. And then won two championships this year, which hasn't been done um, since Kurt Caselli. No one's won the works championship and the Hare and Hound Championship since, um, you know, the late Kurt Caselli. So I kind of wanted to do something different with Gary. And it's weird because Gary doesn't get a lot of play out in the media, you know, world, off-road world. Low-key guy here. Low-key. Yeah, and and, and and me and Bernardo were kind of talking about this. I know you're going to do something with Bernardo later. Yeah. But um, it, it, I'm, I always kind of wonder why that is. And it's kind of weird to me that... You can win championships, and you don't get a, a lot of play. So we're going to dive into that a little bit. I'm not bit. a cool guy like you do. That's what it comes to. Well, I'm not cool either. I'm from the desert. But you dress like you're a cool guy. Right. I got joggers on, which you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, this is bad. Like, <laughs> if you people could see what he's wearing right now. It's good. You would, yeah. Heather likes it. Yeah, well, I do. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk with Gary. We're going to start from, you know, from the bottom of how you got started riding. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Oh. Yeah. And, uh... Basically, a little bit about your parents growing up, riding, but uh, I just want people to know who you are. I've known you for a long time. You're a special kind of guy, <laughs> and uh, I want oh, them to awesome. get a little bit of a taste of what you're like. Um, so let's just start off by saying, how did you get involved in, in dirt bikes and where you're from and all that? Well, I'm from a small town in Montana, and I remember seeing a little KDX80 in one of my dad's buddy's farm you know little barn house and i really wanted it wanted it well just so happens my parents got it for me on christmas and there was we just so happened we got four feet of snow that year and i remember getting back from helping my dad shovel snow and snow plowing the town and uh i was like my mom's like what are you doing i'm outside trying to start this bike she's like gary you better not be riding it so i'm like ah screw it you know why would i listen to my parents and uh yeah who does that yeah 
So <laughs> I start this thing up. I'm revving it. You know, we, at this time we lived in a trailer park actually in town. You know, so <laughs> you live in a trailer park. A trailer park. I didn't know that. Up. Yeah. Yeah. See. How, how old were you then? Uh, I was like ten. Okay. So this is before my parents. We actually they actually made we got enough money to build a house, and so we. Uh, not like a pull behind trailer, but like you know, like a double like wide, classy. Tra- no, like just single like an airstream. No, no, airstream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you know, like like like, it, it like pull- M&M, like trailer part, like not like. But so you could pull it. No, you can't pull it with a truck, dude. I'm saying, is it a trailer like you could pull, or is it yes, like a, it's a trailer house like you could pull? A trailer house. No, <laughs> we're getting off topic. Anyway, Chris has a bad. Bad thing with me. So well, you're going to hear tangents. about four or five different words tangents in this podcast that are going to be epic. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sitting out there revving up this bike. My mom's telling me, "Yo, goddamn it, Gary, don't be riding your bike. Quit revving it in town." And oh, whatever. So I'm like, "Okay, I want to ride this thing." So I put my snowmobile helmet on, and I I didn't know that there was a clutch. I didn't know no clue there was a clutch. So I would I'm like I'm trying to try to figure this thing out. I just jam it into gear, blah, and it would die. And I'm like, man, riding dirt bikes is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So I sat there for like. 20 minutes finally got the thing going I slammed it in the gear and revved it I'm sure feet came off wheelie like right. looked like a squid well then I start going down the alley behind our house realize oh shit it's drum brakes and they're like frozen so uh. I can't stop so I just jump off the back of it and let it fall into a snow pile so I did that for about 30 minutes before my mom caught me so that's how I started riding and then the next so did your dad grow up riding too or no nah, I mean on the farm like on my the farm you used to work on, you know, they used to... So it to, wasn't in your family? No, not at all. Okay. And I guess the best next story for that, because I, you know, was throwing a bike in snow, the next one was, uh, I thought I'd be really cool and try and pop a wheelie at my uncle's farm, and I did, and the grip fell off, and I ran into a manure spreader. Oh, you're full of shit right yeah, away. full you know. of shit. Like, I never, I never <laughs> lived that one down. My, my cousins and everybody gave me a lot of shit so for how, running into that. How old were you when you first started racing? First race. I raced flat track when I was 11, I believe. Okay. And then I did, I actually picked that up pretty good and I got another bike and then we realized that all the bikes that my dad parents were buying were pieces of shit and so finally they bought me a brand new 1999 YZ80 for Christmas. And and I know this, but the people don't know that. You grew up riding moto. Yep. You're more of a moto guy. Yep. And you wanted to... Actually, you told me a story as, you know... Um, how old were you when you came down here and tried out for that, that team? And what year that was? Oh, you're getting sidetracked. We haven't got... We're, we're getting... Well, see, how much did boy. we miss? How old were you then? So I was like... Well, so I got that bike. Then I decided... Well, I was racing flat track at the time. And I tried a just a local fairground race with jumps and that's when I was like oh man I want to race moto okay and then that just all all started taking off right and it just like boom 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 started going so fast forward through uh, you know broken arms broken legs my mom hit me when I broke a couple I don't know I broke my arm and she called me a stupid son of a bitch and was kicking me when I was laying on the ground with a And for those of you that don't know Gary's parents... Just uh, look at my Instagram. You'll see my mom dude. comments on everything, which I love Gary's your mom. Mo- Gary's mom and this. dad are gnarly. Like, you do not want to F with them. Like, no. it's... And if you see Gary, he's not far from the tree. <laughs> like, he's a shit brick house. And his parents are just freaking... You do not want to cross them. So. No. Oh, but they're all, they're great people. They, they're just, no, yeah, they're just but I'm just saying, ways, like, you, know? you screw up, your ass is going to yeah, be... Yeah, my ass, you, you didn't mess up. Right. And sympathy. You got no sympathy. <laughs> I remember my dad running... I broke my wrist at a race. We drove all the way six hours, and I broke my wrist in practice. And my dad was so mad, he was hitting potholes on the way to the hospital. 
on purpose. purpose. And I was like, stop. He's like, you dumb son of a bitch. And I was just like, ah. Right. It's the first time I ever broke a bone. So so you graduate. I mean, you went through school. You went through normal school, all that, right? You didn't yep. have like nope. special, like, yeah, I'm going to go homeschool style. No, I, I literally raced moto. And uh, I turned pro in Montana when I was like 15. And local pro Montana. Yeah, local pro Montana. Okay. And of course... You know, we didn't have a lot of money, so our big, our one big goal, like our one big, I guess, family trip or vacation, the only thing we ever did outside of Montana was we would go to Washougal every year. From 1999 until 2005, uh, actually 2007, okay. I did it. And, you know, the first time I ever went there and saw the pros, I literally, like, that's what I want to do. I want to race professionally. Like, I just, like, ingrained it in my head that I was going to do it. And... So we just, you know... And Grain's another one. So that's number three. Okay, keep going. Ingrain. So that's two folks. Keep going. That's the right one. Ingrain, go. He's an English teacher, people. <laughs> Jackass. So, you know, we go to Washougal every year and all this stuff, and uh, I just kept pushing forward, and I turned pro at 15, and it was one of those things where right then, right... I don't know, yeah, 15, and then I was, I was riding good. Everything was going good. Um, me and my dad had a little, you know, I'm 15, normal, 16 yeah, years old, father and think son, I'm so. on top of the world, yep. you know, yep, and uh, so we had a little bit of a rough patch there for about, I don't know, nine months, but it was all good, you know, everything still kept moving forward, and then uh, I broke my arm really bad, I went to a four-stroke national in Boise and snapped my arm, that was the third time I broke it, and it was, you know, pointing the wrong way, so I got two plates and 13 screws in it, but at this point, I'd already had signed up got my pro license and was going to do Washougal National. Okay. And Washougal and Millville before I moved to, because I was moving to Arizona to go to MMI because I snapped my arm and of course, you know, things aren't happening the way I, but you know, I was always raised, you have to make money. My parents weren't paying for things. I was buying my own bikes at that point, going to the races, traveling, you know, and, uh, at, you know, 16 years old, my parents were still making me pay for that stuff, which was good because it taught me that you know taught me how to value work. of a dollar obviously so you know we go to a shugle i don't qualify of course i was not i wasn't where i needed to be coming off injury and then you know stepping up to what that year was washugal oh five oh five okay and then i did millville mm-hmm. and i tried that one it's the same thing like i don't even really count those because it was like i was so far off pace it was just you know it was an unrealistic goal at that point but it was good because it set me in my place but then, you know, I switched my focus, went to MMI in 2006, and that's when, you know, I lived in a small town of 1,500 people my entire life. I'd never been south of Idaho, Salmon, Idaho, my entire life. And then my parents drive me to Arizona. And drop you off. Drop literally there for a day and a half and drop me off in Phoenix, Arizona. Was there dorms and shit? No. Or what was it? Apartment. Me and my buddy, I met a buddy through FFA, yeah. which... <laughs> Future <laughs> Farmers of America, baby. That's, awesome. yeah. That's right. So me and my buddy, I met. He wanted to go MMI. He was from a different town in Montana. We just linked up and went to MMI. And that's I'd, I'd run. I'd ran heavy equipment my whole life. So I ended up uh, trying to get a job at the local motocross track, and you know they didn't have an opening. So I went to work at a parts at a motorcycle store parts, and then I ended up going to the track and riding and this guy was like oh man where are you from you know you're ripping all this stuff and I got to introduce you to my buddy 
and just a roundabout way, he introduced me to Johnny Wiseman, yeah. who was Destry's mechanic. Destry Abbott people. Destry Abbott. Right. I was, so at the time, though, Destry, like, I remember seeing Destry in videos, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's Destry Abbott, you know? Right. And now, I mean, I'll kick him in yeah, the balls when I see him. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, Destry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, it's just so surreal because I look at it from being at home as a kid in Montana, watching, you know, motorcycle videos and seeing these people and then you know I met Destry I started actually working for Johnny as a mechanic well I will never forget I was at I was at Canyon at this point I was actually building the track at Canyon running the dozer right and we had to step on step off and I was quadding it on my four on a, I don't know 06 RMZ the four speed 450 oh yeah yeah that was Not, a shitty bike yeah, it was, it was, yeah, a, it was, a, it was a banana bike. it was a boat thing yeah, was so big that was bad and I didn't ride the thing much but I was quadding it well Ricky Dietrich and Brandon Ritzman, Brandon Ritzman were down there riding. I didn't know who they were. You know, they're yep. off-road guys. Yeah. Well, they were tripling. They were like, dude, how are you quadding that? I was the only guy hitting it. Mm-hmm. And just so happens the next day, it was my day off of the track, but I still was going to school that morning. And then I was working two jobs. I was working for Johnny. I go over to Johnny's. Ricky Dietrich shows up. He's like, oh, shit. You're that guy from the track. I was like, what's up, man? Yeah. He's like, you wrench on bikes. And I was like, yeah. So Ricky started, that's when Ricky was, this is 06. That's uh, when he was with Cowie. Yeah, that's when he was privateer Cowie, when he was starting to lead the championship. Well, he was signed his contract, I believe, with, you know, Cowie, and he needed a mechanic, so he's talking to Johnny. Johnny's like, you know, I've at that point, I was building motors, you know, and right. Johnny had me doing suspension, whatever. So I opted to get out of MMI instead of taking all four courses, just two, and get the race job. Of course, my parents were furious because, you know, you don't quit on anything. And I didn't quit. I graduated MMI, mm-hmm. but I just didn't do the, all the electives I could have. Right. So my parents were pissed, but, you know, it was a great opportunity. And so I went to work for Ricky, and, you know, I worked with Ricky for four races. He won the championship at works, and that's when I started getting, like, exposed to off-road. And I was like, man, you know, this is... I, and I you're in doing, Arizona, and you had this, you know, destrate disposal. Yeah, too, and the right? des- you know, I, you know, I remember Johnny calling me the first time and going, "Hey, Destry needs somebody to ride with today." And I'm like, "What?" He's yeah, like, you're yeah, freaking you out. He's yeah. like, and I'm like, and Johnny's like, "Dude, don't ride like a jackass. Just go ride, like, because right. he knows I'm. A, I was a. You think I was out of control? I'm out of control now. I'm in a river. You are, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before back was, then. Oh, do you ask Destry? Oh, I sent it, sent it, sent it. Stupid. So like, you try to dick measure every day you went out with someone. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean that's I mean that's I, it's like bicycling with you. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, Stick. oh god, hey, we're gonna chill today, and then Kiefer's fucking out of here. That's because I'm a little lighter than you. Well, but anyway, let's stay let's stay focused. Stay focused. We're tangent. <laughs> tangent. Uh, tangent. Tangent number three. <laughs> so okay, so basically, what I'm saying is, you had it wasn't the normal path for no. someone to to ride and race dirt bikes professionally. No, and I tried out for that Supercross team, like you were saying. Yeah. And, so what uh, year was that? I want to say beginning of 2006 before I got my because I hyperextended both my ankles. I was in walking boots and I what got the What was the call. team called? Warthog. No, oh, Warthog. the Wonder Warthog. Wonder Warthog. Warthog. Warthog or whatever it was. And they had that little racer. I, wore, I, I, wore, I have that issue somewhere. The racer. I wore were, the cape in a no made shit. Yeah, because before Supercrosses, yeah. they they pick a privateer to wear yeah. the cape, and I put a cape on and I rode the parade lap with it. So I just want to let you know. I know okay. Wonder you Warthog. Know. So I'd never rode Supercross in my life. I had two hyperextended ankles, and I get this call. Hey, you got picked, and, you know. And so I'm thinking in my head, I'm a dumb young kid. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be a supercross star, basically, you know. So yeah. I drive out my little Chevy Red pickup, sleep in the back seat because I don't know anybody. I don't know Chris Kiefer. I didn't know he lived right in the high des. And uh, I literally sleep in the back seat of my truck, take my walking boots off, 
wrap them up the best that I know how to wrap an ankle, which isn't worth a shit. Right. Jump on my bike with stock suspension 250F and just go straight out onto a supercross track and start started hitting and stuff. And of course you didn't make it because you did. No, I sucked. I hit the, the one triple was like a step on, step off, and my stuff was so soft. Of course, I like stepped on, stepped off, and I clipped it. Rock came up short on my bad ankles. Wadded my brains out. Got up though, and because I, I was just like, you can't be a pussy, you know, you can't show. So yeah. I just turned around and went step on, step off, and just rock and sent it and did it. And then my little meeting with them, they're like, dude, you're running stock suspension? I was like, well, yeah. And they're like, why are you even riding the Supercross track? I'm like, well, we're at a Supercross tryout. Like, I, he's like, well, we're going to go ride moto later. And I'm like, well, yeah, but <laughs> like, I thought, you know, like, so you, you, you were, you were totally green and green, just, dumb, naive, you know, and that's, when was the time that you thought, okay, off-road racing was more something I could I could do? And I and I vaguely remember, and I didn't know you at the time. I vaguely remember reading Cycling News when Cycling News was out that you rode a hare and hound or something, and you and I think you might have podium or something. So where it all where it all changed was like halfway through '07, Ricky wanted to move to California, and I didn't want to move. And at this point, though, you know, I've been practicing with Ricky, practicing with Destry. And, and so I, I kind of knew where my speed was. And I was like, hmm. Like, of course, my speed didn't last because I wasn't in shape. Right. But speed, as you say, speed is speed. You can always work, you can with, work speed. with speed. So I was like, oh, man, you know. Well, then I started doing some local AMRA stuff in Arizona, and I was winning. I was winning some just, like, some full-blown, like, tech, like actual off-road hair scramble races. that rocky, shitty. Mm-hmm. And... You know, people are like, oh, he's a moto guy. He ain't going to win. And I right. go win these races. And then when Ricky moved to California, things just didn't work out with me and Rick. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna try it. I went and got a construction job working uh, glass, glazing. I did that for four and a half years. So at that point in 2000, middle of 2000, middle to end of 2007. So screw it. Went and got a real job instead of working in the motorcycle industry, working in construction busting my ass 40 hours a week buying my own bikes and going and racing and i said in 2008 i'm gonna race works and that was when it all basically started i was like i'm gonna give it a shot and did you move back to you stayed in arizona stayed in phoenix um and even at that point like me and destry you know we do a lot of stuff together but it wasn't like you know with me working i was you know i know my schedule now but it's you know with me working we didn't get to ride that much together and then uh in 2000, end of 2008, I think I'd finished, I finished 10th overall in works in 2008, which was my goal was top 10. Mm-hmm. And that's hey, and, that's, and that's everybody out there, I'm gonna tell you something. Back works then, in, works in 2008. There's a lot of dudes on the gate. Dude, it, there is way more than there is now. Not to say that's not hard now, but like it's just the it was, rides. It the was depth way was more. Uh, there was 20 to 25 dudes in a pro class versus sometimes versus 10. You know, so yeah. so. It was one of those things in 2008. At the end, Dusty was like, he'd won the championship, Heron Hound Championship. He was like, hey, come race to Heron Hound. I didn't know anything about, you know, desert racing. So he's like, come on, we're going to go out a couple days early. I want you. So he really, really worked with me at that race. Just He's like, dude, chill. Be chill. You're, you're going to wad your shit if right. you act like an idiot. Yeah, right. And, of course, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. So I go out. Next thing you know. I'm running fifth, I'm running fourth, I come into the pit, they're like, holy shit, you're in third, and I'm like, you know, then, you know, I'm seeing, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm hungry, camo's in front of me, Destry's leading, so I'm like, pinning it, well, coming in probably, I don't know, maybe five miles from the, from the end of the race, I was all over camo in the dust, 
and I don't even know what I hit. I hit something, wadded my brains out, ripped the radiator half off, this destroyed my bike. And of course, it's the only bike I have. I'm not getting parts, I'm buying everything at the time, and I limp this thing in, I'm all jacked up, hit my head, dehydrated, limp this thing in for a third. And here I am going, like super pumped that I just got third right. on my first ever. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And then I'm sitting here going, I'm like, well, how much money do I get from third? And they're <laughs> nothing. like, nothing. And I'm like, well, fuck desert racing. What do I, why would I go do this, right. you know? Yeah. So, and then I got the call from Ty Davis. Okay. 2009. And, and Ty uh, lives here in Asperia, yep. where we are now. Which, and I, I, I still actually have a good relationship with Ty. Ty does my suspension now. And, uh, you know, I learned a lot from Ty. We, we had the shittiest bikes ever, though. Oh, my God. So, you moved back to Bakersfield? Nope. Nope. So, at this point, I'm still in AZ. Okay. This is 09. I'm in AZ. And I was traveling back and forth out to Cali to train with Ty and do stuff. And uh, that year was a mess. So why why for people out there why are you driving back and forth? Did you have a job? My still? job. I was so you're working, still working. Yeah, I was working forty hours a week, if if not more. I mean, my what's cool is like a big like I don't know, just a lot of appreciation. My boss was cool enough. You to had like, a lot of cool people. In yeah, your career, like people, yeah, you know, help I, you out. And we'll, well get. Well, I mean, more I worked my and I worked my ass off when I worked for him. You know, like yeah. because he was allowing me to go race, but at the same time, like. You know, during the week, if they needed overtime, they needed somebody to do something. Hey, Gary, yep. go measure this job. Go right. do this. Go put. You got to put this mirror in or whatever. And so you so, travel back and forth to Tide. You train here and you yeah, race. here and there. Yeah, and your bike sucked. Sure. Did you do any good no, that year? I blew up. I think before. At, and I don't think I made it an hour and a half at any works race that year. That was uh, old Huskies. Yeah, old Huskies. Yep, Ooh, old Huskies. Those were horrible. What I did have a great time that year though. Like, what was the like turning point of that year was when I you know I got hurt that year. Had surgery. Came back. We had a bike problem. I ended like the front brake locked up in the air. I knocked myself out. Concussion. Right. Started racing enduro cross, and I'd raced one enduro cross in 2006. I did when they were just one offs, and everybody just knew me as Ricky's mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I was hitting this log double that nobody was hitting all morning, and they're like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And so, you know, Ty's like, "Yeah, we want you racing enduro cross," and that honestly was the most fun I'd had racing ever. At that point, you know, Enduroclass was fresh, it was new, and everybody was into it, and it was fun. And so, you know, that really topped off that year. But at the end of the day, like, I knew moving forward, like, I was done riding Huskies. Like, I was basically, it kind of sucks. I lost, 2009 was kind of a loss of a year as far as works and stuff like that and in progression. Mm-hmm. So I had to basically start all over. At that point, I bought, I think I bought two more bikes. With the Cowies? Yeah, I just bought Cowies. I got a Team Green deal through a shop. Mm-hmm. That's when I met PJ and all that, you know, yep. the significance of PJ. And that's when you decided to pack up and... Nope, still living still living in AZ. What year did you move to Bakersfield? Let's get to that. <laughs> Jesus. Let's get to uh, that. Uh, 2000... What was it? What year was that? So what, it was what, what was the deciding factor for you to bail on Arizona and go to Bakersfield? Uh, at that point, I met somebody... Uh, and so you had a chick you yep. moved and you said hey that's where I'm going well yeah basically at that point it was uh, one of those deals where it was a mutual agreement we moved to Bakersfield I got a job working with uh, NTS a guy Wes who's I, I honestly owe besides PJ I actually owe Wes you know everything as far as giving me a full opportunity but I went to work for him in the oil field running a backhoe in the oil fields and I was riding for Precision Concepts at the time Worked in the oil fields for about five, six months, and it was oh, miserable. Right. Oh, just... And you're still... You're working, you're racing. Yep. 
You're living in Bakersfield. You're grinding <laughs> yeah. out, hoping that you get grinding. a ride. Grinding and yeah, not grinding harder than anybody. No, but, but you're, I mean you're grinding hard. We know yeah, you, we yeah. know you can put in the work. And so, go ahead. No, and then so you end up having a baby. Yep. Was that a surprise? <laughs> yeah, it was you had a little, little Emery came bit. in the world. Yeah, I mean it's a surprise, but it was the best, you know, biggest blessing in you know that I've ever experienced. It's the craziest experience, and nobody that. Nobody that doesn't have kids. Well, as a single male riding a dirt bike, you know, you're, you have a chick, but yeah. you're single, you know, yeah. you're not married, and you're trying to put all this together. Did you ever think, okay, I'm done racing, I'm having a no. baby now? And I never thought, I ne honestly never did. Like, my goals were still the same, and, like, my, my goals have always been to provide for my family. So, in any, in any aspect of whatever I've done, it's always been, that's the number one. Like, first off, you got to make money. So, that's why I was working in the oil fields at okay. that point. And, right. and racing was, like... That was my dream and my goal. So it was like I kept pushing harder and harder. I mean, I was waking up at three o'clock in the morning, going to the gym and swimming till I'd get there by three thirty. I'd swim till you know we do swimming and stuff till four thirty. Do a little bit of weights, leave by five so I could be to the oil fields by six, and then you know I'd work till six seven o'clock at night and come home and literally come home, eat dinner, and go to bed. And that really started playing a toll on me, and I just was like. Something had to give, and I was lucky enough that Wes from NTS stepped up and gave me an opportunity to basically, you know, he basically paid me to race dirt bikes for him, right. and it was by far the single most... It kind of got you. It got, it, it got me it, out it of... bumped you out. It, it got me out of just sitting in that rut, and right. got me out of sitting on a plateau, because, you know, like, I give a lot of credit to my uh, my buddy, the late PJ, my buddy PJ. That's why I run through. There's so much stories we can, dude. Oh. I forgot about that. Yeah, there's so much. We, there's so much shit. Yeah, we can have like a three hour podcast. Yeah, so I'm trying to narrow it down here. Okay, but let's, let's, how long do we have? I mean, we could go as long yeah, as we dude, want. We don't want to bore these people. I mean, I would like to have dinner. Let's do tonight. part one and then part two. No, let's just get oh, through this. Shit. So, two two things I want to ask you. Okay. So Wes helped you out, got you going. He yep. paid you. You actually told me a story recently about how you went and approached him and how much money you needed, and yep. he said, "Yep, I'm going to do that." Correct? Yep. And, but it wasn't one of those things like I went in and I full on had it written out, and I didn't ask for a lot, and it was like I actually asked for less than what I was making, and I was, I basically was sitting there just wanting an opportunity, and 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 it, it's. I look back at it, and, and it's crazy because the way that I went about it. I mean, you know me. Yeah, it was good, but it wasn't the right. I don't think I did it the Anybody right way. Anybody that knows Gary, <laughs> I'm very, I'm very. He doesn't have the best um, way of talking to people or communicating. But that's it's not very, this... very straightforward. And as Americans, as the world oh, is now, the people aren't really accustomed to that style. People don't like sh people. People want, like some sugar coat. People want rainbows and unicorns. Yes. And so uh, it's, Gary's not very, he doesn't have a lot of fluff behind his words. So no, I'm uh, going to then, but it wasn't necessarily the way that I, that I worded it with Wes. It was just the, just the whole time. I don't know. Just, I don't know how to explain it. Just, I, I've never been anybody to ask for something that big. And so it would took a lot of, it took yeah, a lot yeah. of you don't uh, ask for me, anything. correct? Yeah, it took a lot for me to do that. But I was right. literally at, at you know at the end. I was like, either this is like this is my last shot, right? And he did that, and it literally just poof. Like, but what's funny is like people go, oh, like you know, in my head, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm gonna be a ride and train all the time. But I'm gonna just gonna freaking kill it. But it took time, even after that. Like it took consistency, and then you know, then there was 
a lot of shit that went so down. So we're going to snip it on this a little bit. Okay. So people don't know the whole story with Emery and... and these are one of the things that people that do know why they really admire you and they look up to you and they, as a, as a man, it's tough because there's a lot of men out there that don't take care of their children, you know, single or not. <laughs> you had some problems in Bakersfield. You got sole custody of Emery and yeah. you bailed out yeah. and you moved away from there. Yeah. So and you still have sole custody yep. of, Full uh, custody of his, yep. and you're, you're, you're it. That's yep. all Emery has. Yep, and my you know my parents live in uh, Montana, so you know it, that that whole situation in my life was just it was traumatic, it was crazy. It's something I'd never been you know I've never been around anything like that, and so you know it it was crazy, and it was a huge life changing event for both me and Emery. But I was not gonna allow my daughter to be raised in a in a bad environment. Correct. So I did you know I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna just leave my kid either you know so it's one of those things where. And honestly, like, uh, hands down, she's kept me straight. Like, having well, yeah. her around is, like, <laughs> yeah, trust me, I, I know mean, that. seriously, <laughs> like, she, it's, it was the best, like, as crazy and bad as everything went down, it was the best thing, thing that ever could happen. Yeah. And I mean, and we're doing awesome, and she's such an amazing little girl, and, and I love, like, I love being a dad, and I love involving her in my racing, and I love doing on trips with her, and that's the, that's the cool thing about what I'm doing right now, and I think as I'm getting older, you step back and I'm like, wow. Like, I look at pictures and I look at, you know, all these race wins, all this stuff, like, yeah, it's good. It's something I accomplished. But at the same time, like, seeing pictures of Emery up on the podium with me that we're going to be able to, be able to share yeah, later down the road. The rest it's not life. necessarily, don't, like, she gets so pissed at me right now, like, Daddy, you're not in the middle. Right. You're not in the middle. So and she it's knows like, when you win or not. Oh, yeah. She, oh, she's... I, like it's brutal like <laughs> like just like i had no sympathy when i was a kid i'm right. not getting any sympathy from my kid right. you know she's like but daddy you didn't get in the middle like she literally said it in front of everybody on the podium like but daddy this isn't first well, place she is your kid so yeah well, so you move out here to asperia yep we're just going to get to that because that's when so just for a quick story of mine i i usually ride you know mostly you know, especially in the winter, I'll ride out in the desert tracks. I'll make my own tracks. I've had tracks that I made when I was younger, and I was going riding by myself, and I ran into you at Ties and, and just chatted yeah. you up a little bit and said, hey, I'm going to go and ride in a sand track. You want to come? So Gary came with me. When I when I saw how he rode and how, like, uh, just kind of the person he was, I knew that I'd click with this guy because it was no bullshit. He worked hard. And uh, so me and him hit it off. Bitch, like this Kiefer riding smooth tracks and shit. Well, that's older Kiefer now. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what I do now. He used to ride sand tracks with me, people, but yeah. now he's like, "Yo, man, comps open. Let's ride comp." Like, I got to work now. I got to actually uh, test. Well, so. We should test in a real man's environment. We are yeah. two fifty shootouts. We're going out there. Who's that? You wouldn't know that? anything about Who's that. It's your factory that? now. A factory. <laughs> so anyway, I met him. He's you know he, we end up riding together a lot and. Um, he moved close by me, so uh, him and Emery and me and Heather and Aiden, we all, you know, did a lot of stuff together. And then fast forward to me, actually I'd say, I worked at Dirt Rider and we had a bunch of test bikes. Yep. And you were struggling to get some bikes at the time. Yeah, it's 2000, 2013, I bought, I went out and bought a 2011 YZ450 because I could get it cheap and it hadn't changed and Yamaha stayed together. So I was like, screw it, as a privateer, that's what I'm going to ride. Went out and won the West Coast Hair Scramble Championship that year. Yep. Then went and did... That was uh, the AMA. Yep. That yep. was AMA National at the time. Then I went, uh, used uh, an old KX250F, 
that I got from Cowie, and that's what I raced uh, enduro cross on. I did Brazil, Spain, Germany, LA, X Games. <clears throat> it's coming off all that. I was like, oh man, you know, I'm not, I should be able to get something. And luckily, West was still involved, and uh, nothing was coming about. So I'm like, shit. And I got, you know, nothing going on. Well, then, luckily, you know, Chris Dennison and Kiefer, they helped me. They are like, hey, why don't you use this KTM 450? And I didn't know anything about it. was like it. one of our long-haul bikes where it's like, hey, let's give him the one. If there's anybody going to test and fuck shit up, it would be Gary. Uh, yeah, so it would be yeah. a good test. So he ended <laughs> up getting that. And, yeah, I got and that. And then KTM kind of saw some interest well, in that. I got the bike, had a couple little issues, and, and you know, and you know how I am about, you know, my He's worrying. very picky. I'm not fucking picky. Oh, my God, dude. I am not picky. So, anyway, I, I get the bike, have a couple issues, and I sit down with Auntie at uh, KTM. I said, hey, man, like, what can we do to just keep the bike together? Like, I'm not asking for And luckily, I was, like, fortunate enough that I met Dave O'Connor when I, when I rode at Cowie, and he worked at Cowie. And so I knew Dave in the media department. And so Tom Moen was nice enough to help me out. They had a leftover bike on the media side, and they said, hey, we'll build you a bike that we know will last. I probably was detuned. and shit. <laughs> slow as shit. It was slow as shit, but hey, you know, I rode the wheels off of it, right. and uh, I was fortunate enough that they were able to get me a bike just to race on, and so I used the Dirt Riders Long Haul yep. as a practice bike, slash I used it for a couple little races, and then, and so basically that was the year I won my works championship, so it was kind of cool to see, like, Literally, the media department of KTM. Right. We won a we won a works championship, which I don't think ever has happened. No, so it was it was cool, and like like I said, I've been super fortunate to have uh, numerous like good opportunities, and that's why like when I when I've gotten these opportunities from you know whether it's Zerider or whether it's you know Wes or PJ or any of these people, it's like you I really like try to take advantage of it. Yeah, I appreciate right. it, and it's like I'm gonna work my like my expectations are way more than. I think half the people that support me are sometimes, you know, or what they think I'm capable of, you know, so. And then 2015, the KTM. KTM, I had a support ride with KTM in 15. Right. Um, broke my arm. That was a bummer. That could have been two titles. Uh, I felt like that year I was riding really good. And then um, another support ride with uh, KTM in 16. And speaking so of. So between then, though, you moved back to Arizona. <clears throat> no. So 15, I was riding for KTM. Yep. And then 16, um, speaking of opportunities, a guy that I'm sure everybody on this you know show probably has seen, Bonanza Plumbing, whether it's on Sleater's bike, Justin Jones' bike, myself. Um, Dean is a great guy, awesome enthusiast, loves motorcycle racing, loves Baja, loves off-road, and, you know, hats off to him for keep helping people out like myself or Justin Jones or these other guys that, you know, have talent but don't have the means to go racing. He always finds a way to, you know, help out the industry and help out the guy, the good guys. Or I mean, right. I'm not saying the other guys aren't good. I'm just saying helping out the guys that need a little extra help. And uh, so with that, you know, I've been living in Hesperia for about three years, three and a half years, and I just I kind of wanted to change. You know, Destry has his gym in Arizona, uh, you know. Another Basically, you wanted to do something different, yeah. try to up your program, and you moved to Arizona. Me and Chris had this conversation the other day. I'm, I'm a creature. I like to. I like to. I'm, I'm a. I like. I want to progress. <laughs> I guess you could say. Like I want to change. Like it doesn't matter. Like even this year, it doesn't matter that I win two championships. I want to get better. He's so not I very like complacent. Ch- people like no. he does good, and then he wants to fucking move around and do other shit. And I yeah. told him, I go. Sometimes when you do good. Just stay where the fuck you're at no. and keep doing it better. But, but he see, wants to go thing, experiment like, and explore and, yeah. 
and see if it's going to be better. And yeah. I feel like it's rolling the dice but when you have a, nest a good thing. Guy. You like to sit in your little fucking nest and just. But oh, also the nest works. The nest works. Yeah, well, Asperia works for you. For right now, it's. So yeah. anyway, hold on. Let's get to the people. Yeah. What happened in Arizona? So you moved to Arizona. Yep, Arizona's everything's going good. Working out with Destry. You know, rainbows, unicorns, shit's going yeah. good, and, and then, next thing you know, mm-hmm. bam, my buddy Joe Watson and myself, mm-hmm. head-on collision. and Trail uh, riding. Trail riding, uh, two days before Christmas, and lacerated spleen, knocked out cold. Luckily, I don't know how I didn't break any other bones. Luckily, I don't know how I didn't die. It was, it was ridiculous. It was just surreal. I don't remember anything other than turning the, uh, turning the bike around. And then I remember waking up, and Destry's like, are you okay? And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, you just got in a head on. And I'm like, who, me? Yeah. Like, I had no idea. I didn't even know where I was. And then, uh, you know, I spent the next three days in the hospital, Christmas. That sucked. And then came home. I feel like this whole podcast is about all the shit that's it's happened to shit, you. Yeah, it's a shit storm. <laughs> AKA podcast with Gary Sutherland. It's all the shit that Gary's just been shit through. Storm. So anyway, you had some bad, but let's, let's just summarize this Summarize. Up. Spleen issue, went back in the hospital. They tried to fix the spleen, went, came back two months later, started racing. They wouldn't release me. I said, F you guys, started racing, won the Heron Hound. Uh, next thing you know, driving down the freeway, pop. You feel some spleen shit. Spleen ruptures. And I'm like, no way. This shit just didn't really. I'm driving a car. I'm going to turn white. I'm like, oh shit, go get Emery. I'm driving. I'm trying to get myself to the hospital. Fucking turning white. Uh uh-uh. uh. Pull off the road, get to the hospital. Buddy comes, picks up Em. You nine take, days they, they take your spleen. Nine out. days later, they take the spleen out, and uh, yeah. So, so your your whole six. I mean, pretty six was shit. kind of a wash as well. It was, yeah, and you know, and then you kind of, and then KTM decided they wanted to do a support ride, and you or they didn't. No, like basically at that point, you know, it, you know, KTM had put a lot of effort into, you know, I had a good fifteen, even though I broke my arm, but I was sixteen races, sixteen podiums that year, and uh, in sixteen. They wanted me doing Big Six, Works, Heron Hound, and West Coast Air Scramble. That was the only, fa- only way they could justify giving me the money they were giving and the support they were giving. So, I, you know, of course okay. You say yes, right. I, oh, what else am I going to do? Right. You know, so after that and it not panning out for them, you know, they just kind of just were like, oh, yeah, well, budget's cut. We don't shit. have anything for right. you. Exactly. And, you know, I hadn't done it. So, so I was kind of, you decided, hey, uh, I'm going to move back to the Dez. Yeah, I was, you know, the thing, the thing is the Arizona thing could have went totally different whether I, you know, if I wouldn't have lost my split. This, this, that's life. Shit happens. Yeah, yeah. It could have happened. And, uh, you know, maybe I would have won championships living in AZ. Maybe right. not. Right. Um, I had a good time training with Destry. I learned a lot with Destry and, you know, my inflexible ass doing yoga, which if you guys could ever see is horrible. But Club feet. Club feet. Yep. yep. CD knows all about those right now. <laughs> yep. Club feet life. And, uh... <clears throat> Yeah. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to move back to Asperia and just kind of get my shit back and together. And let's, let's enter Ron Purvines. So, okay. Let's enter Ron Purvines. 16 is over. 17's coming up. You <coughs> kind of put something together with Ron. And Ron was on betas in yeah. 16. Yep. And they decided, hey, we're going to switch to a different bike. Or is that something to do with you? Uh, Ron spoke to me after my spleen and was just like, hey, Gary. I like, you know, I've, he's been trying, he was trying to get me to ride for him for about three, four years, and I just didn't want to ride a beta. I mean, I'd been Correct. with well, Ty. I'd been with Honestly, Ty. Honestly, I don't blame you, dude. I'd been with Ty on, <laughs> hey now, 
Dude, uh, seriously, like I'm surprised Nick did as well as he did. When and Nick's good at riding shit, honestly. Like right. he did good with Ty. Like he kept the bikes together. I'm not a guy that can keep the. You kind of influenced Ron. Hey, let's get so, some. Yeah, I said Ron. I said you know I really would love to ride for you. I said but I really I don't want to go backwards in my career. I'm too late in my career to go backwards. I want. I feel like I can win. I feel like I can win championships, and I want to be on a good bike. So he said, "What's it going to take?" I said, "Let's ride Yamahas." Well, Yamaha didn't step up to the plate like he wanted, and luckily Ron stepped up to the plate and bought everybody on the team bikes. Right. And let me just let me just talk about this for a second. So, in Supercross, which is a much bigger uh, outlet for dirt bikes and much more money um, in that realm of uh, motorcycling. There's not nothing like that in off-road racing. It's it's manufacturer based, or it's a blue collar nine to five guy doing his stuff. There's nothing really out there that's for like factory rides besides KTM. It used to be bigger back in the day, but now you enter Ron Purvines. This guy does it um, out of his own pocket. He just loves dirt bike racing. He used to race dirt bikes himself. And he fields a whatever man team. I don't even know what it There's is. There's a lot of us. A lot of guys, right? Yeah. So no, I mean, and that's that's it's it's a nice thing because you can see how much he wants to help everybody. I mean, he's dumping a shit ton of money into yeah. it. Oh yeah. So and he has you. He gives you a salary. Mm-hmm. He gives you bikes. 2017 rolls along. You start doing well. Works yeah. racing, hair and hound. Yep. And uh, you know, Taylor. Let's just. I'm gonna call it call it like it is. Yeah. Right here. Because I'm your buddy. Call it, call it how you Taylor want. gets fucked up. Yep. And that, and honestly, that helps you. Mm-hmm. I mean, as far as winning more races, Taylor is probably the guy. Taylor is you and Taylor are probably the fastest two dudes in works and hair and hounds. Besides Ricky and hair and hounds, I would say Taylor and you are the guys. Yeah, and you know, it's and this is the funny thing is is you know, of course, two was it 2015? Yeah, 2015, the year I broke my arm. At that point, you know, Ivan was my teammate. Ivan ended up winning the championship that year. I missed two races because I broke my arm. I beat Ivan in every single race that I raced him against that year. Except for the two that I wasn't at, right? Okay. So I'm sitting there talking to Auntie, and I'm like, but Auntie, what else do I need to do? You know, I'm I'm sitting here, I beat this guy, and and mind you, I, I like Ivan. I get along with Ivan. I mean, granted, when we were riding together, of course, I wanted to beat him. Right. And it's at the end of the day, it's a business. And I don't care if he's my teammate or not, I still want to beat him and make more money. And I want to win races. And so I'm sitting there going, well, how do I get more support? I'm, you know, I'm beating your factory guy, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, Gary, at the end of the day, he's got a number one plate. Correct. You don't. That sells motorcycles. And that's it. So I really, that was one thing I sat back and I was like, wow. And even coming into 17, you know, I was like, I sat back down with Destry and I was like, it doesn't matter. All I have to do is put myself in a position to win as much as possible, but be consistent and basically I mean, Ryan Dungey the shit out of it. it Diesel it. Be on the podium let's every round. Yeah. Uh, Taylor gets hurt. No matter what, you have to be in it to win it. Yeah, no you got to be there. And I, hey, at halfway through the season, it works. I dislocated my shoulder, took a foot peg to my uh, manhood. Right. Uh, you go through some shit a lot. I went I mean, we listen yeah. to this podcast so far. You, we understand how much yeah. shit you go through. So, you know, I had some races where, like, three races this year, like, I barely could fit my leg in a boot. I could barely walk. Like, it was rough. But that's the thing is I wasn't hurt bad enough that I couldn't man up and race. And, I mean, there's uh, the one Utah race that I couldn't fit my boot in. And then I got, like, a little bit of pneumonia after it. But 
the thing is, is like, whether Taylor's there or not, those ra- uh, and I learned that whether you're there or not, those races are going on. Those championships have to be won. Somebody's going to get the bonus money. Somebody's going to get the credit. And by far, Taylor is an amazing athlete, and he is the, one of the toughest competitors. I mean, the guy won six. Taylor's six. very talented in a lot of areas, just yes. like you. You, uh, you guys all can. Both you guys can ride many different. Um, uh, aspects of, of motorcycling. Yeah. I mean, you, you both are good at enduro cross. You both yeah, can moto. Good. Yeah. You both can ride hair and hounds. You work. I mean, that that is what I'm trying to say to people is, it's a very special thing. And I'm not here sucking your dick. No. I, I do not like that because no. I'd rather give you shit. No. I but know. it's a special thing that what you've done this year because no one has done that since Kurt and we know yeah. how good Kurt was. Yeah. Kurt was the same way. So. Um, it's just what I think is some people saying, oh, Gary might have won just because Taylor was hurt. So that's what I was trying to get out yeah, there. Yeah, no, like, and that's, look. and I don't, don't, you don't think I didn't hear it? You don't think I, you didn't hear, I didn't hear it from Taylor, I didn't hear it from Ricky. That's why the last hair and hound, like, I put a lot of emphasis, you know, I could win that race and win the championship, or I could just be smart, get some points and go on to Barstow, get some more points and win the championship. But you uh, want to and, and F that, I want to go win this race. And I have to vouch for him, people. He did say that we're training during the week. And he's like, I'm like, you're just going to go, you know, chill down a little bit and just try to get top three. He's like, no, fuck it. I want to win. Yeah. I'm like, and I was like, oh boy. I'm like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Because he didn't want me to walk. But at the same time, like, there comes a point and I felt like it was just that point for me personally that I wanted to push myself. And, and, you know, just prove to myself, you know, because I had been getting people, oh, well, Taylor hurt or even, you know, the head games, you know, Taylor Taylor kicked my ass at works. That's fine. I didn't have to race in the last few races and, and you know, we, that's, but he's the guy. So what is it going to take to beat Taylor next year in 2018? And I mean. Do you think Taylor's going to listen to this so I can actually say what Yeah, no, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Taylor, I mean, Taylor knows. I mean, yeah, no, he knows. I mean, well, the thing is, Taylor's a structured guy. He... The guy, I, I have a lot of respect for him. He's got his shit in order. He sticks to his structure. I mean, even when I was living in Arizona, I remember him saying, hey, you want to ride this morning? I said, well, I got to take Emory to school. And You've got more responsibilities. Yeah, obviously. and I'm like, hey, you know, I can be back by 6.30. He's like, oh, I'm leaving at 5.30 because it's hot. He's like, so I'll just catch you next time. So I rode by myself that day. Right. And it sucked because I was like, well, why the fuck wouldn't he, you know, just wait an hour? But I'm like, well, he had his structure, his time. His, his program, program. Yeah. and he stuck to it. So I think the biggest thing is in anybody, whether it's been Destry, you, anybody, I'm scattered. Yeah, I just I'm working on bikes all the time. I you know I built all my race bikes this year. I'm Emory and racing and training and oh let's go cycle. Oh let's go work out. Let's fuck. Let's do this. Let's do that. And so I mean I get my shit done you and I work. tighten everything up. Yeah, I just got to tighten it up. And I think for you being up here, um, a lot of things will be. Uh, structured. You have uh, you have your shop now that you you just purchased a home, yep. and you have your own shop that you've been dreaming about, like you wanted to work in. Mm-hmm. So I think that helps. But also, what's what's crazy to me too is like you're on a team, but yet you have to work on most of your own shit, and especially that's tough for a guy trying to put everything together. Yeah, and hopefully you know that changes a little bit. You know the team's based out of Vegas, and I had I and I personally felt opportunity like. I thought I was going to give a mechanic, and then it kind of got, it just kind of got wish-washed around, and, you know, he didn't, I, I totally understand, he just, he just went and bought, I don't know, 27 or 30 motorcycles. Right, it's like, a lot of money. Well, I'm not going to bug the guy about trying to get me a mechanic, so I said, you know what, screw it. I put everything on me. Right. So that's the funny thing, when these championships came down to the end, it wasn't about, just about me performing, I was 
worried about clutches. Yeah, I'm were, worried about. You worried about the work he performed. Yeah, yeah MMI came in handy. Yes, yes. Thank you, <laughs> MMI. Actually, no. I have to give all that credit to Johnny Wiseman. Johnny, Johnny really did help me and really did train me in a mechanical way in that aspect on a race team side of it. But yeah, it was a lot of work. And I don't think anybody else that's won a championship, AMA championship for that matter. Um, at least Heron Hound has basically kind of been his own mechanic, mm-hmm. and the only other guy that'd be is Ty, probably. Yeah, but I even but think Ty's back then t- Ty had shit. Ty had even had his guys back yeah. then. Yamaha helped him and did some stuff, but uh, it's 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 really cool that Ron's doing what he's doing, and he has these guys that need a job, and and uh, I appreciate the fact that he's doing that for the off road world, which is awesome. But what in the grand scheme of things, so. Do you think this is the most um, cherished year for you? Is this like the best overall year you've had racing? Is this championships um, mean more to you than you'll say you know last year or your 2015 <clears throat> works? My 14 works championship, 14, I think was it was cool because you know I won five races and and it was I was total out of left field. Nobody saw it coming really, um, and I definitely was super excited. <laughs> This video means doing burnouts and doing, you know, I had a good night. It was a fun time. Well, there's better stuff after. <laughs> but we had so good the time. so the yeah <laughs> so the thing is, um, I, I, it was funny because when this this works championship, it was like I just like I expected it, right. and that's, and I think then I was telling I was talking to Kit at uh, Cycle News today, and it was like when you start expecting it, where when you start winning, people expect it. Mm-hmm. So it's not as like. Oh hey, Gary Wynn, you know, it's no different. I'm sure Dungey, Tomac, all these guys, Rocks, and they all go through the same shit. Is like when you don't ever win and all of a sudden you win, everybody's up your ass and like, Oh gosh, this guy, Gary, you're winning, that's so, so awesome. Now you're wow. the guy. So you're the guy. But then you get a second and they're like, Well what the hell happened? Right. It's a lot what of pressure. Happened? And then oh you win a championship and then you come back and then you start riding again and you're winning. Everybody's like, Oh, cool. Well they just expect you to win. Right. So the excitement level after you've been winning for a little bit isn't the same as when you've never won before and you come in. You know, people just expect it out of you and they're in their respect respectful and responsive, but it's not it's not that just whoo giddy giddy bullshit right. that you used to get when you were you know. So what do you expect next year? What do you want next year? What's your well, I mean, obviously this like you just said, you just won both championships there. So what's your goal next year? Man, let's pre- wrap it up. I honestly feel like the pressure is just as much or more now and I want to back it up. I mean, that's the hardest thing to do is defend titles. I mean, winning them is one thing, defending them is another. And I have my work cut out with me. There's a lot of fast up-and-coming guys. I mean, you got Trevor Stewart and Blaine and your And your and, schedule next year still works and Heron Hound? Yeah, and I might throw in Big Six. I'm still, we're, me and Ron and Destry, we're all still talking about that and uh, just trying to get everything sorted out with Yamaha and, you know, all the, just everything, you know? I mean, we're... We're sitting two months away, and it's it, that's the crappy part about West Coast off yes, road. Dude, we have two months, and we're racing again, and I don't even have bikes for eighteen yet. We don't know what you know. It's everybody's so up and up in the air because the way that the schedules run, we run all season, so it's like holy shit. You if you have, could change one thing about off road racing, what would it be? Tighten it up. Give us a little bit more of a break. So because like right now, the problem is with I feel like unfortunately West Coast off road racing doesn't get the prestige doesn't get the shit that east the coast does yeah get, right. but the thing is too is like there's no time there's no time for a new team to come in right now how is somebody going to put together a new team in a month and a half 
find sponsors, do all this stuff. Like, I feel like as racers, like they race us all year, and yeah, we have a little summer break, but I just wish we had a little tighter schedule here and there, and was able to able to actually like right now I just win two championships. <laughs> I want. I'd love to take a couple weeks off. Right. You so again, you got to race this weekend. Last I got to race this weekend, right. and then I'm going to race Ontario, and that's kind of on me. And then I'm racing Takati. That's on me. But so basically, honestly, a full break. You may have five to six weeks. Yeah. If you didn't want to race any other of you know yeah. one off races, six weeks. Six you have six weeks. weeks because it starts early in January. Mm -hmm. So. So it's just it's just pop pop pop, and I mean, it's always good to race because you stay fresh when you're racing all the time. But at the same time, like. What do you want to do when you're done with racing? Win the lottery. No, <laughs> that means shit. I don't know. I've been asked that a lot now. I'm 30, <clears throat> getting old. Ooh, oh shit! Man, vet class. When are we vet. gonna race vet nationals? When are we gonna head to head this? Uh, Who's faster at sunrise? It's my Chris Keeper. Who's faster at comp edge? Dude, We're about to say, give it to me. Give it to me. I give it to you. Every Who's time faster ride at a good <laughs> Helen? <laughs> Who's faster? Me. For sure. Come on. You're a bitch. I am? <laughs> You're a bitch. Don't even. Don't worry, guys. I'm a day. See this abuse, everybody? This is the shit I fucking get every day. You're a bitch. That's my name. Why don't you just call me Bitch Keeper? <laughs> I do. It's bad. Hey. Just not to They're not going to answer back. You're like, hey. 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 No, no. Check this out. When I, when I beat him and we're at tracks, he's so mad. He doesn't oh, tell nuts. me he's mad. But you get so mad. No. You're, it's under your skin. You're like, yeah, old um, man. The best part is... Old man beats you. The ya. best part is is when we go ride rough track. Hey, don't is, don't say it. What? I'm right there with you when we you go. five seconds off. No. Oh. I was beating you. Hey, you, no. And then I did no. And then you overlap no. me. And then you overlap me. See, this is what I get. But this is the problem. He only beats me when Heather runs the stopwatch. Fuck you. Because she's got to live with the guy. She ain't going to tell him he's five seconds Let me just tell you, he can be Bullshit. a Heronhound champion, AMA champ, all he wants, but my ass is close to him. That's all I care about. So huh? suck it. So it is. Fucking Kiefer trains for life. He, don't, he doesn't race for shit. <laughs> what do you want to do? With, <laughs> come on. Let's get back to it. What do you uh, want to do when you're done racing? I want to be like Chris Kiefer. You want to test? Yep. You want to work for Kiefer Inc.? Yep. I'm a testing son of a bitch. Gary would be horrible at podcast people. He would dude, be so This shitty. podcast is going to go viral. Like, people are going to be like, dude, that was these guys. Right. It's good because we're well, talking shit. Yeah. Only thing we could get into is women, but we're not going to get into that. That's a whole nother podcast. Like, yeah. <laughs> if, if you guys want me and Gary to start a, 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 a chick podcast, oh, just Jesus. hit me up at chris at keeperinkesty.com and we'll talk about chris it. Chris and Gary after dark. Holy Ooh, shit. Man, that, that would be great. bad. So we don't, you don't know what you want to do? Um, you know... You said you took an epoxy yeah, floor class. Yeah, I took epoxy floor class. I like to build shit, and I'm a hands-on guy, so... You're a very good mechanical... My, you know, I feel sorry for my wife, because I, I can't do shit. I had to change Chris Kiefer's garbage disposal, because he doesn't yeah, know how to do I that really shit. Am. I mean, I guess I'm a bitch. That's what you I am. You are. I mean, I look at <laughs> you right now, and you are a pussy. Why? Because I'm wearing joggers? You can't... You're wearing joggers, and you sure as hell ain't going to get on your knees in those things to change your garbage disposal. Hey, for the... Hey, all you hair and hound guys out there or off-road dudes, buy a pair of joggers for Gary and deliver it to him at the race. He wears sizes large or husky. You know. His big ass thighs won't be able to fit him. <laughs> <Yeah, no shit. laughs> Just so you know, none of those hair and hound guys are going to listen to your shit. Yeah, they will. No, they won't. It'll go up on a district okay. site. We'll see how many joggers I get at the next round. I want to see how many people actually come up to you and say, hey, man, I listened to you on Kiefer's podcast. That was cool. Those, you going to tell me? Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll keep a tally. Yeah, you won't. Hey, real quick before we get off of real here. Um, so you're not single anymore. Nope. Speaking of chicks. Nope. 
So, Christy LaCurl, she was with yes. KTM for 16? 14. 14 years. Orange bleeder. Dude, if there is one orange bleeder oh out there, holy shit. That would be my woman. Yeah, so Gary is with Christy. We're trying to convert her to the, the blue crew side. We're it's never tough. Gonna, we're never going to... People, she will never not bleed orange. Anybody that knows Christy knows she will never not bleed the orange. Same person that buys Gary joggers, go buy Christy a Yamaha hat. <laughs> she won't wear it, dude. <laughs> so, but I did... Hey, I do have pictures of her holding my Yamaha on the line. Right. I do have pictures of her uh, cheering on a Yamaha. Yes. And she did wear championship shirts. Well, there you go. Blue championship shirts. Well, there you go. I think deep down she might have tattooed a little KTM thing, like with a permanent marker on her just so she uh, wouldn't feel bad. She but probably would be tattooed up for KTM. <laughs> she would. Hey, uh, thanks for everybody for listening to this. This is kind of what I kind of want to do with other off-road guys. I feel like they don't get the recognition they deserve. Um, they hang it out in the desert. We do not even get to see the shit that they do out there, and it is sketchy, people. Like, it is gnarly. Um, I don't think what we see on YouTube and all these other little clips that we get do it justice. So I kind of want to do this more. Um, we'll be doing more off-road testing in January. We'll be doing some more interviews like this in January. That means you got to get your bitch ass out and ride trails. Yep, yep, exactly. That's why I got Michael Allen, too. He's an uh, off-road guy. So, so, hey, next podcast, can we drink some beers? I don't drink. You know this. You that's another drink. That's another fucking <laughs> problem we have. Because you'll outsend it, and then here's what... Okay, before we get off of here, Gary <laughs> had his... Gary had his championship party, okay? He's wide open, drinking beers. He, he's trying to... It's like high school all over again. It's peer pressure. Yeah. Every fucking time we're, I'm around you and I don't drink, you, you pressure me in trying to do. Aww. My wife drinks. Let my wife drink with you. Aww. It's a poor little baby. Hey. So this is what I get. Because you're a bitch. I'm a bitch. You I don't like, drink. You can't even have like two beers. So if you want to hang with Gary point? Sutherland people, you better be a tough son of a mother. A tough <laughs> son of a mother. What is that? That's my deal. All right, that's your deal. Just like chill down is my chill deal. Oh, what do gosh. you have? Do you have anything? You're a bitch. That's what I have. God, this is a bad <laughs> podcast. <laughs> no. So, hey, everyone look out for GS1. Ooh. Is that what we're working on? Would you get any number one jerseys yet? No. So I got to hit James up. What's, that's a good thing. The good, news about, the good news about Gary is very approachable. You come and talk to him. He'll bullshit with you. Kind of like what we are. I kind of just want like a more of a tailgate effect. And that's how I, Gary is. And if I see you after the race or whatever, I'll buy you a beer. I if mean, you're wearing joggers, he's going to call you a bitch. So yep. don't wear joggers around him. So, but I kind of wanted to get this out there just to kind of let everyone know what Gary's about. People don't know his story. I knew he was a hardworking guy. He's been through a ton of shit, as you've heard over this over an hour podcast <laughs> of just shit but nobody's he, gonna listen to the whole thing dude yeah they do trust me an hour Pe people listen to the pulp show it's four hours are you serious yes don't they have better people things drive do? dude and you go to la you fucking two hours oh man i gotta get i've never listened to a podcast you're i've old. even listened to one of your podcasts. you don't have to work a fucking computer yes i do i check my emails you're so old school like yeah, that's right evolve yeah, remember what i said about school. evolving i'm evolving no people he doesn't evolve i dude. evolve i just don't wear joggers you're going to shave your legs, too? I have been. You've been there? You're a bitch. Well, no, Boom. I'm not, because I got epoxy on my legs, and I was all sticky. Shave your legs like a bitch. I shave them. My woman likes that shit, so... Anyway, congratulations on your championships, you, buddy. Give me a five. Oh, high five in, in the truck. Ricky Brabeck? Ooh. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs>